This episode of the Lutheran Cartographer is brought to you by the Ron Paul Homeschool Curriculum. If you're looking for a good curriculum, check it out at lutherancartographer.com homeschool. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 36. Welcome to the Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. After a few weeks of hiatus caused by some technical issues, as well as summer vacations, it's good to be back with you. Today, we are going to Oklahoma to talk to Pastor Teves of Trinity Lutheran Church in Okmulgee, Oklahoma. Pastor Teves, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Nicholas. Thank you for inviting me. Certainly. So help orient us geographically. Where exactly are we? We're in Oklahoma. Where in Oklahoma are we? Right. Yeah, we're in Oklahoma. So Oklahoma is pretty much uh, the center of the United States. Um, I always get irked when they say that we're the Midwest because we're not the Midwest. The Midwest is Missouri and and uh, Illinois and so on. We're in the Great Plains. So we're in the southern half of the Great Plains, just north of Texas. And um, I live in Tulsa, which is in the uh, northeastern part of Oklahoma. But the church in which I serve is Okmulgee. It's a town of 12,000, and that is about 40 miles south of Tulsa. So I I go back and forth. And we are in so-called green country of Oklahoma, which means that we're we're kind of a bridge between um, the foothills of the Ozarks to our east and to the plains to our west. I see. Excellent. All right, so give us a little introduction to yourself. Uh, where have you been, and how did you end up in, in the middle of Oklahoma? I was born in Munich, Germany, and uh, mathematically I've spent about half of my life in Germany and half of my life in the United States. Uh, my early childhood in California, and then at the age of 10, uh, my mother and I, my father's German, was German, he's deceased. My mother and I moved uh, back to Germany and I went to um, formative school there, so-called gymnasium, which is uh, kind of like a prep school. And so uh, nine years of that, uh, of gymnasium, and during which time um, I had five years of classical Greek, nine years of Latin, and, um, but all in a, in a humanist environment, meaning in a very much post-Christian environment. Or to say it another way, even though I was baptized as an infant, um, I was far, far, far away from God until the age of 40, which was 23 years ago. So I am, I like to, I like to call myself uh, the Dollar General version of St. Paul. Uh, very much a conversion experience. Uh, I didn't do as bad things as as St. Paul did, but it's definitely a, a tremendous shift between a uh, a happy or slash unhappy um, agnostic, and then the Lord uh, drew me to Himself in the late '90s. In the meantime, um, I had uh, been married and divorced, and then remarried, and my my wife Lula and I moved from Germany to uh, to Texas in '96, and uh, at that time I was still the happy unhappy um, agnostic. And the Lord called me to himself a year later in 1997 in an LCMS church. 
of which I had no no clue what that was, LCMS, any of that. We just happened to be in an LCMS church, and um, we can continue with that story or not, but it's definitely a, a, a <laughs> Dollar General St. <Saint> Paul. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, continue with that just a bit more. How did you end up in, how's the town name pronounced? Okmulgee. Okmulgee, um, south of Tulsa. So um, the Lord called me to himself in 97 in a, in a very powerful um, conversion experience where I heard the gospel for the very first time from the mouth of an LCMS pastor. And um, we served, well, I'm, I actually, Lula, my wife, um, also um, to a certain extent, but I served at that church for about eight years in a variety of positions. First, uh, Lula and I uh, did children's church, things like that. And then they, uh, maybe about five years later, they called me to serve as an elder, and which in retrospect is a little bit shocking because I didn't know <laughs> too much what I was doing, but I was an elder nonetheless. And uh, then a couple of years later, they started a um, small group project, um, Purpose Driven Life. I don't know if that's before your time. You might have heard of that. It's, it was very popular in the 90s and the early 2000s. And so uh, within, this is a large church by Lutheran standards. And so within maybe two or three weeks, there were over a thousand people in that small group program. And uh, so it was all, I was very busy spending a lot of my time um, doing these things in the church as a volunteer. And um, about, well, in, in 2004, 2004, so then seven years after that conversion experience, um, I called up my pastor uh, one Saturday evening, and I said, you know, I've been kind of kind of assessing everything I've done so far, and I've had Greek, and I've had uh, Latin, and I have a master's degree in geology, and all of these things, um, they don't, they seem very muddled and incoherent, but I think from the point of view as a pastor, um, I think the Lord might be able to use these things. And uh, he, he said, that's a, a fantastic idea. Um, go to the seminary. We will, we will help you, which they did. And so the next year we packed up. Um, we sold our home of, uh, with three acres and two horses and two goats and ten cats. We sold all of that and went to the seminary. I went to St. Louis, then went to the seminary, three years of a residential program there, and then... And my fourth year, which was a deferred vicarage, then they sent me to Tulsa. So that's how we wound up in Tulsa. I, I won't say for me, Oklahoma was flyover country, because I find the term uh, not too flattering. But it certainly was a white, a white spot on the map. I didn't know anything about Oklahoma, except uh, we sometimes drove through it from St. Louis to visit my mother in Houston. That's about all I knew. And so we've been in, in Oklahoma ever since 2010. So 10 years now. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful state. Excellent. So tell us a little bit more about how the, the atmosphere of Oklahoma compares to some of the other places you've been, whether it's Germany or Texas or California. Right. Well, um, Oklahoma is a conservative state. Um, and just like in most states in the, in the United States, the rural areas are conservative and the cities tend to be more liberal. So, but there's a lot of rural area in, in Oklahoma. And uh, there are two main cities, Tulsa and 
and Oklahoma City, the capital. But um, but the rural areas are, are very conservative, and so Okmulgee is in that area. Um, uh, they call Tulsa the buckle of the Bible Belt because uh, ORU, Oral Roberts University, is located there, and so it's very Pentecostal and and so on. So um, it is it is it is definitely a, a Christian state, although here too. The Christianity is kind of fraying at the edges. Having said that, uh, if you will, the I don't want to say the quality of Christianity, but it is heavily influenced and flavored by American Christianity, which of course would would not be liturgical and uh, would be very low on the sacraments, a poor understanding of the sacraments, and a lot of a lot of Baptists and all good people. And again, just to make this very clear, I'm not saying that these people are not going to heaven. Of course, they're going to heaven. But um, without the sacraments, um, you certainly have a less rich Christian life. You do not experience the um, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, as we know from the small catechism. And so it is a it is um, Christianity that, that, that could be uh, enriched, but unfortunately for many is not. And so... Um, Okmulgee itself is a town that saw its heyday in the 1920s, as did uh, much of Okmulgee. Um, it is said that in the 1920s, during the oil boom, there were more millionaires per square mile in Okmulgee than anywhere in the United States. Wow. So, uh, I'm not sure whether the, that is, a, is fact or myth. But it is true. If you look at some of the homes around Okmulgee, they're very beautiful, and they're about 100 years old. But right now, it's, it's uh, lost a lot of its glamour. There is a wonderful um, uh, movement, has been afoot for six or seven years, called Okmulgee Rising, where uh, a number of younger people uh, in their 20s and 30s are, are trying to revive Okmulgee, to, to draw business to it. And so on, but it is it is certainly a, a town that has seen better days in the past. And I so see. we are in in um, the only Lutheran church, even including the, the ELCA or, or Wells. We are the only Lutheran church in Okmulgee County at, at Trinity Lutheran in Okmulgee, and uh, it is a, a growing church. It is a, a lively church. And uh, what is I find quite amazing, we serve 6,000 square miles in from Trinity Oakmulgee. In other words, we have many, many people who drive 50, 60 miles each way to receive the Lord's gifts at Trinity Oakmulgee. And um, they come from, from Tulsa and from um, every point um, around Oakmulgee. Excellent. So that's a good introduction to Oakmulgee. Tell us a little bit more about what are some of the things that you consider the, the best things about being there. The best things about Okmulgee, um, very, very warm people, just as uh, the people in Oklahoma are very warm, as, as they are in surrounding states, Texas too, and in other states around us, um, very warm. And uh, our church is, was founded in 1921. And the building that we're in now was built in 1958, so that the church moved in the late 50s. And so we have a lot of dyed-in-the-wool cradle Lutherans. However, 
I'm very grateful. We've had a lot of, I think, since um, I've been there um, five years now, and I think we've had over 70 new members. And of those 70 new members, about half of them did not used to be Christian. And I love that statistic because it shows that you sometimes hear, well, you basically, if, if you don't have any Lutherans in your town, uh, your, your church cannot grow. It is impossible to reach non-Lutherans in, in any town. And I think that is, that is incorrect. And uh, it, it is shown to be true, proven to be true in Oak Mulgee, that um, due to the warmth of the people, and with, with good catechesis, and to be fair, also with um, a good online presence, it is, um, and Issues Etc. too, let me put in a plug for them. Uh, a number of our people have found us through Issues Etc. So it is possible to, to grow, uh, or the Lord, it is possible for the Lord to grow your church, even if you are not in a traditionally Lutheran environment. So um, the good things, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of countryside around Okmulgee. There are two beautiful lakes nearby. You could say uh, another very important thing for Okmulgee is that we are only 40 miles south of Tulsa. So uh, a lot of people commute to Tulsa, and uh, I commute in the opposite direction, which is good for driving, so I never have any traffic. And so even though uh, Okmulgee is not doing so well economically, what, what keeps Okmulgee going are, are at least two things. One is the proximity to Tulsa, so people can work there, but also a wonderful technical college, um, OSUIT. It is the uh, information technology annex of the Oklahoma State University. Uh, the headquarters of OSU, as you may know, if you're a football fan, is in Stillwater. Stillwater is west of Tulsa. But this, there's a technical college in Okmulgee and, uh, for, for technical uh, trades, and they have a, a two-year college, and uh, they train all the technical things, uh, mechanics and, and uh, HVAC and, and, and culinary and, and all these other things. And uh, that is a, a very good thing. So even, um, even though it's a small town, to a certain extent, you could say that Okmulgee is a college town. And I mentioned this Okmulgee Rising group earlier. One wonderful thing that they have done, um, together with, with local uh, entrepreneurs and businessmen and investors, they have turned uh, the former post office, which is uh, 1920s era, once again, a beautiful post office, kind of run down um, over the decades. They have turned that into a student dormitory uh, in downtown Okmulgee. Uh, which now houses, I think they, they reopened it maybe two or three years ago, uh, houses 80 students from OSUIT. And so then these 80 students, of course, um, they are the nucleus of bringing life back to downtown Okmulgee and um, with uh, coffee shops and, and, and all the rest of it. So um, there's a, a lot of potential for Okmulgee and uh, a beautiful um, bones, as they call it, a lot of 1920. 1920s architecture, kind of Art Deco style and so on. So there's a great future for Oak Mulgee. And um, thanks to the, the good people and the, the entrepreneurial spirit there, they are, in fact, making it a, a better and better place to live every year. 
That is fantastic. It's wonderful to have those people in your community that are really invested in building it up. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. At this time, a lot of parents and grandparents are considering keeping their children at home when the government schools open back up in the fall, and I would encourage you to do the same. If you're looking for a curriculum, I would recommend checking out the Ron Paul Homeschool Curriculum. This will teach your children well how to live in the left-hand kingdom with classes in business, natural sciences, as well as college prep, in addition to all the usual subjects that you would expect from any curriculum, such as mathematics and history. Best thing about this curriculum is that it is self-directed after the third grade, so you don't have to pull your hair out trying to stay a step ahead of your children in the curriculum. If you're interested, I'd recommend checking it out at lutherancartographer.com homeschool. That's lutherancartographer.com homeschool. Let's get back to our guest. Let's now turn to the, the other side of the coin. You've mentioned how the town has seen better days and there are these economic challenges. What would you say are some of the most challenging things about living in that area? Well, um, one of the most challenging things is since it is, um, if, if you will, it is kind of coming out of um, economic depression. So there is a, a high rate of unemployment and along with unemployment, uh, a malaise uh, among certain people, um, they used to have, up to, I think until the 80s and so, I think they had three supermarkets. Um, they basically now only have the supermarket of, of a, a large uh, American retailer and their supermarket there, and then uh, a few Dollar General type stores, and that's it. So it is the, the selection has has narrowed and so there is uh these these young people who are trying to pull up the town i think they they do they do have to be honest have to work a little bit against kind of a malaise in in uh in the um in town another thing and this is a kind of an oklahoma oklahoma problem you might know that um has it been the last year or two years, I think only the last year, Oklahoma has allowed um, uh, medicinal marijuana. And so you have these uh, so-called dispensaries um, popping up all over. I want to say in the town of 12,000, I want to say there are already something like 15 dispensaries in Okmulgee, which is crazy. And uh, they're not all going to survive, I would think. But um, uh, having this, and um, it's also sad to say that it is it is quite easy to receive uh, your marijuana. Um, it, it is it, the the hurdle to receive the medicinal marijuana is very low. It's very low. So pretty much anyone can get marijuana who they uh, who wants it. And um, that is also as as you might know, um, taking marijuana is is not exactly good for your enthusiasm and your, you're just dealing with life. So you. you you tend to kind of slump and, and just take it whatever day by day. And it, it, it kills a lot of enthusiasm and, and, and spirit. And so we have, we have a, a, I'm sure that also contributes to somewhat of the malaise in the town. But nonetheless, I think it's, it's on an upward trend. But there's a lot of, um, a lot of uh, basically historical baggage to deal with. Another, another historical baggage um, Nicholas, you might maybe in your kitchen you might have um, these 
these glass mason jars that says Ball on them. It's a famous brand, Ball. Well, uh, there used to be a Ball manufacturing plant in Okmulgee. In fact, I believe there were three glass manufacturers in Okmulgee, and they all they all folded over the over the decades. I think the the last one to fold was maybe in the 1980s. There used to be a refinery in Okmulgee that also disappeared. And, and again, in its heyday, Okmulgee had cinemas and, and all kinds of entertainment and hotels and so on. And now um, the cinemas are gone and the entertainment is gone. And it is all kind of um, reduced to the to um, Highway 75, which is the highway between uh, one of two highways between Tulsa and Dallas. So a lot of traffic runs through Okmulgee, which is good. It, it keeps the, the businesses and the fast food places and so on along 75, keeps them going. But, but um, it isn't it isn't homegrown, right? There aren't there are a few factories in Okmulgee, but um, compared to say 50 years ago, it's it's got to be a fraction. And uh, so one of the goals also of the the local leaders and the state representatives and so on is to bring. Uh, um, factories back to to um, Okmulgee. Let me let me add one a positive thing I forgot to mention earlier. So I mentioned that there are a lot of entrepreneurial spirits. Um, there is a very wonderful movement connecting Okmulgee High School and this OSU IT that I mentioned, and that is uh, an aviation class that they are offering in, in Okmulgee High School, and they are doing this together with OSUIT. And so they are, it's an elective, but they are teaching um, young people who are interested to fly drones. And so there is a, a, a small but growing movement to attract aviation companies to Okmulgee because they are, um, they are training uh, dozens and dozens of young people to fly uh, drones and, and in related uh, aviation um, areas as well. And so if you think about if you think about Amazon and all of these companies and they say that they're, they're going to be droning in their products, that, that, that concept alone I think is fascinating. Um, but let's assume they actually wind up doing that. They're going to need drone operators. And to fly all these these products into your home and business, and so Okmulgee is is very forward looking in that they are trying to create the the workforce to uh, to operate these things and in as such to draw high quality companies to Okmulgee um, in in the aviation field and our, and the local and the state politicians have been working on that for a number of years and I find it very exciting. That is exciting. So let's now turn to the what it's like to be Lutheran in Okmulgee. You've already mentioned that you're in the the buckle of the Bible Belt and kind of the challenges that come with being among American Christianity. Say more about that, and say more about what it's like to be Lutheran there. Right. Well, Lutherans, as in I guess so many towns outside of the northern Midwest, are a best kept secret, to put it positively. Um, I, I like to say there are four four stereotypes of what people think of Lutherans, and I've I've run across all four of these stereotypes. So some some people, or maybe five, the first one would be never heard of it. 
Okay, fair enough. But those who have heard of Lutheran, sometimes you hear, and maybe you can confirm this, Nicholas, sometimes you hear, well, Lutherans, aren't you some kind of Catholic light? So, in other words, they, they, they might have heard of the liturgy, and to be fair, not every LCMS church does the liturgy, I know that, but, but quite a few do. And so they think we're some kind of um, Bud Light Catholics. Uh, another uh, false stereotype, another myth, is that, unfortunately, they don't distinguish between the LCMS and the ELCA. So they think that Lutherans are, are extremely liberal. And as I said earlier in uh, describing rural Oklahoma, it's, it's quite conservative. So um, liberal uh, social mores and so on would not fly too well. So they think so we're some kind of liberals, and so that, that doesn't go well. Another uh, false stereotype that we sometimes run across is that Lutherans worship Luther. So this obviously is also wrong. Um, it's one of, one of the, 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 uh, the four solas, uh, sola fide, sola gratia, sola scriptura. The fourth one is solus Christus. And so Luther, if anyone, anyone who knows anything about Luther uh, would know that um, he points to Christ. And there are many paintings and many statues of him pointing to Christ. A number of years ago, um, we, we led a, a group of 43 American Lutherans through Lutherland, uh, Wittenberg and Eisenach and Eisleben and all of that area. And uh, in, the, in the city church, uh, St. Mary's Church in Wittenberg, there's a very, very famous painting. I'm sure you've seen it. It's a, it's a triptych, and it, it literally shows... Um, Luther, with a Bible in one hand, pointing to a crucifix with the other hand. And so Luther always pointed to, to uh, Christ. And so uh, for someone to claim that Luther is worship Luther, I'm sure that would have him spinning in his grave all the way down to China. So, and the last one is actually my favorite. Um, it's only occurred to me, uh, only occurred once, but it's still actually hilarious. And this was some kind of dyslexic who was not able to read the word Lutheran uh, properly, and so he thought we worship Lucifer. And I said, no, Lucifer, Lucifer is actually with a C, Lutheran is with a TH, it's just a little bit different. So I've actually heard that, though. So you just gotta, just got to scratch your head. So, but the, the main problem is that they, um, they don't know who we are, they think we're some kind of Catholic or something, and, um, and this, is, this is a problem I would think that pretty much every Lutheran church out of, outside of the northern Midwest, possibly even in Washington state, would have. That people don't know who you are or there's a, completely, uh, a complete misconception of what we are and what we stand for. What's it like to, to raise a family there? What, what do you see as kind of the experience of your parishioners or, or you yourself raising a family there? Yeah, well, we have... Um, we have a, a fair number of, of uh, children, so we have about 112 people in our congregation, and I think about 25 are under the age of 18, so that's, that's a good thing. However, as you and I discussed earlier, Nicholas, to be fair, it is, um, if you are of marriageable age, uh, it might be difficult in a smaller Lutheran church to find a spouse. Having said that, uh, the uh, the previous church at which I served um, in Tulsa, 
uh, one of our daughters, we have six children, one of our daughters did in fact uh, meet her husband there. And uh, it's a little bit larger than Trinity, but uh, not too much larger. And so that actually worked, and he's an LCMS guy, and his family is LCMS, and so that was really great. And uh, just last week, we had um, one of our young women from our church in Okmulgee got married um, to a young man whom, uh, whom she's known her whole life and, and who was in church with her. So it does happen, but it's, um, it's not as easy uh, as uh, if you had a church of, Certainly, if you had a, some kind of church with 30,000 people. So that, that is a bit of a challenge. Having said that, um, that's why I'm very grateful for organizations like Higher Things um, who do bring um, young people together at least once a year. And so ideally, if, if you go um, several years in a row, you might bump into the same other churches again. And so that way, the young, young people can meet one another, too. But that that whole the whole um, community aspect and um, raising families and finding um, Lutheran spouses for your your children is more difficult in a in a small church outside of um, I guess the northern Midwest. All right, so that makes sense. That's a, a good insight into what it's like to to raise a family. Now let's turn to one of my favorite parts of the podcast, where we talk about the hidden gems of the area, places to eat, things to see. What would you say to, like, you've got a friend coming into town. What would you say, ah, oh, you got to go see this? Right. Well, if if they're coming into town, they're most likely going to come into Tulsa. And so there's a wealth of stuff to do in Tulsa. Tulsa is, uh, you might have heard of a, a park that was um, established last year. It is called The Gathering Place. And uh, last year, USA Today named the, the gathering place, this park, uh, the best new attraction in the whole of the United States. It is right along the Arkansas River, and it is, um, has something for everyone. It has uh, uh, playgrounds, excellent playgrounds, actually imported from Germany with um, all kinds of fantastic castles and so on. It has 10 basketball courts. It has uh, four four different skate parks, and it has um, a lake, a man-made lake with canoes free for, for using, and um, has concerts there, and it's a really, really, really wonderful thing. Let me just put in a plug for uh, Tulsa. Um, Tulsa is known for um, having wonderful entrepreneurs and, and, um, and donors, and there is, there is one particular donor, a gentleman by the name of of George Kaiser, a very wealthy man of German descent, German extraction. He has donated, I believe, all of his wealth, not spreading it across the United States, but, um, but just giving all of, this, all of these riches to Tulsa. And it really shows. So it, he, was, he spearheaded this, this gathering place. I believe he paid for half of it out of his own pocket. The other half was, was local companies. And um, he has also spawned a formerly um, desolate industrial area just north of downtown. Um, it is called Guthrie Green. He started, uh, he, he started a few museums there and supported art projects. And so Guthrie Green has turned into a, a little cultural um, gem um, with, uh, with museums. And, um, and of course, the 
coffee shops opening up in restaurants and breweries and, and so on. Another thing too, um, uh, if, if you enjoy Lutheran beverages as I do, um, there are probably 15 different breweries in Tulsa. It's quite an amazing brewery scenery. And uh, so that is something great. The, the climate in, in, in Oklahoma or in eastern Oklahoma is, is actually quite nice. We, we do have four seasons. To be fair, the summer is probably the longest season. And to be fair, it also does get humid here. That's true. And we sometimes get into the 100s. And, um, but nonetheless, we do have four seasons. We usually have one or two uh, snows per winter. And we have a spring and we have a fall. And so, um, so it's, it's a good place to visit. Um, there are also uh, big ticket um, concerts in, in, in Tulsa. So all of that stuff is going on in Tulsa. And in Okmulgee proper, um, there are, are two lakes uh, very close by and um, beautiful homes that you can, you can tour, again, that from the 1920s. So Okmulgee, to be honest, I don't know if there's too much to see there. You can, you can tour OSUIT and see what's going on there. But uh, the, your bigger tourism attraction will probably be uh, in Tulsa. Okay. Good deal. All right. Now, as we start to close out the podcast, I want to make sure to take the opportunity to give you the op- the chance to plug anything that you would like. Where would you like to point our listeners? Your church's website, places to follow follow you online. Where would you like to point our listeners? Yes, I would. I would invite you to visit our Facebook page, Trinity Lutheran Church, Okmulgee. Okmulgee is spelled O K M U L G E E. Or you can visit our website, trinityokmulgee.org. And um, also, I would in, invite you, if if you are if you are not Lutheran, to uh, explore um, Lutheranism, which is the, the the clearest form and the most original form of Christianity that we have today. Uh, no one's perfect. We're not perfect either. But it is. I I do believe, having studied this a long time now, um, it is the, it is the closest thing to the apostolic Christianity. And so, and if you are Lutheran. I encourage you to uh, take up your pastor's um, offers to be catechized. Uh, please attend his, his Bible studies. Um, uh, go to church, receive the Lord's gifts of word and sacrament every week, maybe twice a week if they offer that. And, uh, and don't, take, don't take your Christian faith for granted, uh, especially as Nicholas was saying that in, in his neck of the woods, literally, you know, things are, are kind of changing in society, and Christians are being kind of pushed out more and more and more. We have an incredible gift, and that is salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the church, as we just read today in, in the Treasury of Daily Prayer. The church, uh, as we read in, in, in 1 Corinthians, is, is the body of Christ, where each one is blessed with particular gifts, gifts of teaching, gifts of hospitality, gifts of healing, and so on. And so if you are a so-called uh, a Christian who does not believe in organized religion, um, you are depriving yourself from the gifts that God wants to give you through other Christians. And the flip side is also true. If you, do not, if you are not part of a local church, you are um, also depriving others of the gifts that God has given you to share with others. So 
be part of your church, um, be engaged, uh, read your Bible every day, be catechized, and let the Lord work uh, through you as he blesses others, um, just as he blesses, I'm sure, many, many people through this uh, delightful podcast and, and the work that Nicholas is doing here in the Lord's kingdom. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Teves. Any other parting thoughts before we say goodbye? Well, this is delightful. Thank you for what a great idea to kind of map out um, different uh, areas of Lutheranism. It's a really an, an interesting idea. It would be, I don't know how far you want to extend this, if you want to extend it beyond the borders of the United States. It would be interesting to to uh, talk to Lutherans, or have you talk to Lutherans around the planet. Um, maybe food for thought. Maybe maybe it's already on your to-do list. I don't know. Yeah, we've, we've talked to a few in Scandinavia, and uh, after we're, we're done recording, perhaps you might uh, tell me a few people I could talk to in Germany. So thank you again for your time today. God's peace. God bless you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, including links to all those great places that Pastor Teves told us about, go to lutherancartographer.com slash 36. If you'd like to check out that homeschool curriculum, if you're still looking for a curriculum or the curriculum you're using isn't working out for you, go ahead and head on over to lutherancartographer.com slash homeschool to check that out. Also, I'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment to leave a rating and a review for the show on iTunes or on Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. That way more people will be able to listen to the show. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.